You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Chapter 15, it says this. Don't you understand? Anything you eat passes through the stomach and goes to the sewer. That's right. Jesus is talking about number two right there. (laughs) He says in verse 18, but the words you speak come from the heart, and that's what defiles you. So Jesus is saying to us, to his audience, that it's not about monitoring your behavior, but rather it's about monitoring your heart. Because what's in your heart eventually comes out. And so we are on this series of of identifying things that are in our hearts so that these emotions don't take control of our lives. And so this morning we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4. We'll get there eventually. But I want to pray one more time and then we'll jump into it. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have this morning to just come together, hang out as a community, and and to give you praise and and to give you honor. God, we thank you so much. We pray that you, uh, during this next couple moments together, that you would speak to our hearts, that we would leave here changed. We would leave here better, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, if you're taking notes, I'm titling this message, this talk today, It's Rotting Your Bones. It's Rotting Your Bones. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, it's Rotting Your Bones. Come on, turn to your second choice and say, hey, it's Rotting Yours too. (laughs) So I'm going to be so honest with you right now. Uh, How many of you guys are just like, you, you do social media, show of hands? Okay, some of y'all are lying because I see you on social media all the time, but that's neither here nor there. Um, social media, like, I, I'm just, again, this probably does not apply to you because y'all are probably perfect, okay? I'm just, I'm telling you what I struggle with. I'm telling you, I'm about to tell you what, what, what goes on in my mind when I'm on social media, specifically Instagram. Okay, uh, so for those of you who have no idea what Instagram is, it's an opportunity for people to post their best selves and make you realize how much your life stinks, okay? Like, that, <laughs> that's what Instagram is. At least that's how I see Instagram in my own eyes. And so it never fails, right? Like, I tried to do fun things with my kids, one time I took him to the park, right? And we were going to do like the whole nature outdoors park thing. I'm not a big outdoors person, but I'll sacrifice myself so that my kids are happy. And so I took him to the park and we were doing outdoor park things. And I was like, kids, let's take a, let's take a selfie so that we can just show people what we're doing, right? Come on, I'm just letting you in on my world. I take out my phone. How many, it's not here, it's here, right? Come on, let's go, double chin. We t- it says, so, so I whip it out, and I'm like, all right, kids, smile, one, two, three. And we're like, ah, and we're like in front of the park, and we're making funny faces. Like, I'm like, this is perfect. People are going to see this. They're going to be like, oh, this is such a fun family, right? You guys never do this, okay? You guys, the first shot, you post the first 
first picture, you don't worry about what you look like. You just, right, you just post. And so I, I post it. And as I post it, I begin scrolling through my feed. And, um, and I look. And all of a sudden, I see somebody else that's my Instagram friend. And they're doing a selfie too. But they're doing a selfie in front of Mickey. And I'm like, hmm. something's happening in my heart. I'm just, it doesn't happen to you. It just happens to me. Okay? I'm trying to establish that. And, and, and then so like, I'm like, I'm okay. It's Mickey, right? I keep scrolling. Somebody else, they're taking a selfie in front of a waterfall in Tahiti. And they're like, hashtag bless, right? Like, and I'm like, Hmm. They're in front of a waterfall, and I'm in front of a dumb park with a slide. And all of a sudden, something's happening inside. And it doesn't happen to you. It's just, this is just me. All of a sudden, I'm like, I want to be in front of Mickey. I'm sure my kids want to be in front of Mickey. I want to be in front of a waterfall in Tahiti with my wife. And all of a sudden... Something begins to happen in my heart. And then I'm sure you've never done this, right? But you become so obsessed with wanting to make your life look so much better that you start forcing pictures. Again, that's just me because y'all are quiet. And so I want to show you a picture that I posted. And this was a New Year's Eve. I think we have it. Oh, my fam, my sister. <laughs> we're, we're like, we have like little decorations that we may or may not have bought just for the picture. And <laughs> no one else does that. Uh, and, and, and so like, I'm like, kids, here we go, ready? We're going to smile. And we take the picture and we post it. See, but what y'all don't know is the hell that went through before that to get that picture. My kids were like, I don't want to take a picture. I said, shut up. Take a picture. Get over here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're Sonoma County. We don't say shut up to our kids. Like, I'm like, get up. Daddy, I don't want to. I will take away your Xbox. If you God is my honest truth. Like, I'm forcing my kids to take a picture and to smile. Because I want you guys and my Instagram friends to look and be like, ah. Oh. Again, that's probably just me, and that has nothing to do with you. And my, yeah, my little, my little 12 month old or 13, whatever, how old? He, he, <laughs> he was being rebellious that day. He's like, Dad, if, I'm a, if I want to cry, I'm going to cry. And so, but everyone else, they're faking the smile. It's not even real. Because after we're done with that picture, everyone's like, Rrr. But again, this is probably just me. You guys probably have it all together. But just in case you don't, I'm sharing this with you because of what I want to talk to you about today. And it's the second monster that we're looking at. And it's the monster of envy. So that we're all on the same page Here's the definition that I have for you. The feeling of wanting to have what someone else has no matter the cost. See, what I'm discovering, especially in social media, 
is that if you don't get and if you don't begin to identify envy in your heart, jealousy in your heart, it can begin to control you. It could begin to to determine how you act and how you respond. If you don't begin to identify envy in your heart, then all of a sudden what you realize is that envy begins to eat away at your heart, begins to eat away at your decisions, at your choices. Now here's what's interesting. Uh, the, The wisest man to have ever walk the face of the earth besides Jesus, he actually lets us know this idea of envy and how if we don't identify it, how it has the opportunity to ruin our lives. Check this out in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30. He says this, envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. And so that it's uh, one commentary. He likened what, uh, what Solomon was writing. He likened it to what termites do to a piece of wood. And if you don't get rid of those termites, they keep eating away at the wood. They keep eating away until eventually it weakens the structure. And this is what Solomon's trying to paint for us in this verse. He's like, hey, if you don't identify envy in your heart, it will begin to rot your bones. The very structure of who you are will begin to deteriorate because that's what envy does. It eats away at you. It eats away at your heart. It eats away at your bones. And so this morning, the whole goal of our discussion and our time together is for us to learn to identify this monster called envy so that we can remove it from our lives or so we can be very conscientious of it. And when it pops its ugly head up, we can be like, hey, no, I don't think so. And so what I want us to do in the next couple moments together is to identify what really does, it, uh, does, a, does rotting bones look like? When, when Solomon says envy rots the bones, how does it rot our bones? How does it destroy our lives? And we're going to look at that in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And most scholars, most theologians believe that Solomon too uh, wrote Ecclesiastes. So, uh, so we're going with that, with that idea. And, and so Solomon, the, the wisest man in the world, he identifies for us what it looks like when envy takes over our hearts. And so we're going to start at verse 4. And here's, here's what it says. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. Let's just stop right there. Solomon, he's he, the wisest man. He, he, he's saying, hey, I just, I'm coming to this realization that the real reason why you, the real reason why me, the real reason that we are motivated to work hard really stems from this idea that we're motivated, that we envy our neighbors. That's a sobering thought. And he says, but this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. So this idea that that we're motivated to work hard because of what our neighbor has, and we're trying to catch up with our neighbor, 
He says, this is meaningless because really it's like us chasing the wind. See, the first one, envy leaves you disappointed. Envy leaves you disappointed. When my uh, youngest, when he first began to crawl, we, uh, I used to get a little flashlight and I would shine the light on the floor. And Sam, my youngest, he would crawl da, 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 to the circle, to the light, and then I move it. And then he just laughs. He's like, <laughs> and then I do it again because I'm amused. And he crawls over to the light and I move the light and he goes, <laughs> and I'm like, this is amazing. After I do it three, four times, what I noticed is that when my son got to the circle, rather than, being, rather than him having fun, he began to be frustrated. He, he, he began to, I think, he began to realize, like, man, this is frustrating. I keep reaching what I'm trying to get to, and then it just moves again. I almost think that he was getting disappointed in the fact that what he was pursuing kept moving. And I actually think this is what Solomon is saying in, in that verse where he said, like, when we are, when it's envy that, that, that motivates us to work hard, it's like chasing the wind. It's this idea that the target that we're pursuing keeps moving. That whenever my hard work is just so I can get the same car, the same house, the same, uh, the same wages as my neighbor, I may find happiness at the very beginning, but eventually I will find myself frustrated and disappointment because when I reach it, I realize that the target is moving. And then so now I'm no longer satisfied with where I'm at, but I'm trying to get the next thing, the next car, the next title, the ne whatever it is. And, and Solomon says it's like chasing the wind. It's like chasing the wind. It gets very disappointing. He goes on to write this in verse 5 because I know right now it's very easy to be like, okay, John, so what you're saying is that I should probably just not work hard. And it's almost as if Solomon knew that our natural response would be that. And so he writes this. He says, fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin this idea that it's foolish if we choose to not work. Like what Solomon is saying in verse 4 is not that we do nothing, but he's saying watch our motives. Watch what we're, why we're doing it. He goes into verse 6 and he says this, And yet, better to have one handful with quietness, some translation says uh, tranquility, than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Here's the other thing that envy does to you. Envy distorts contentment. Envy distorts contentment. So Solomon, he, he, he's saying, he, he's saying that, that if you have one hand, if you could learn to be satisfied with what's in one hand, so like what you currently possess, if, if you could learn just to be satisfied and not having to look at your neighbor about what they have or, or what they're posting or where they're, if you can just focus what's in this one hand, he said that you have this ability to put your head down on a pillow and say, I did my best today. God, you do the rest. But he says we get in trouble when we realize that 
one hand is full and we're like, oh, but I have another hand too. I bet you if I use this hand, I can get more. And he says, Solomon's writing like the author, that, that, that we get in trouble when we look at one hand and we're like, man, I have another hand that could be used to grab more stuff. And Solomon, the author, is writing, and he says that this is when you and where I get in trouble. When we begin to desire what we don't have yet. When we begin to want what someone else has. When we don't learn, when when we're unable to learn and be thankful for what we currently do have. And so envy, it distorts contentment because I am no longer content with my one hand because I now want two hands full of stuff. Verse 7, and he, he kind of changes a little bit. He says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. So under the sun, was, it was a term that they used uh, during this time period of like what I've learned in this world around us. And He goes on to verse 8. He says this. This is the case of a man who has, or excuse me, this is the case of a man who was all alone without child or brother. Perhaps a better translation would be a son or a brother because uh, contextually during this time period, uh, your, your, um, your inheritance can only be passed down to the males in your family. Okay? Thank God for 2019, right? Anyways, and, and, and so he, 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 he's like, he's like uh, this is the case of a man who is all alone without a child or brother. So he, ha- he has nothing, he has no one to give all of his inheritance to. So he's working hard, but he has no one to give it to. And he says this, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. And he's about to ask himself a question that I hope that you and I, we can ask ourselves constantly. And he goes on to ask this question. He says this, who am I working for? Who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? Who am I working for? He's, he, he's, he's putting in the, the 70, 80 hours a week doing what he can, working and and trying to save. He has no one to give all of his, everything that he's accumulating to, and he keeps working, and he keeps working, and he realizes this, this idea, who am I doing this for? Like, why am I doing this? Let me ask you this question. Who are you working for? I think as a dad, and I could, I could speak to this as, as a dad, as a man. I don't know why I air-quoted man. Yes, I'm a man. Like, <laughs> I was like, as a man. <laughs> that made no sense. Um, but as, as a dad, right, it's very easy for me to put in so many hours into work and to justify it and for me to say, I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my wife. I'm doing it for my kids. Maybe, but maybe I'm doing it for other motives. 
Maybe I'm doing it to accumulate wealth so that we can get a better car or we can do something else, take a better selfie in front of a waterfall in Tahiti. Why am I doing this? Why am I choosing to work hard? And I get this. I, I want to say this. Like, I understand some of us, like, the, we just kind of have to, right? Like, if we want food on the table, if we want a roof overhead, like, we, sometimes we just have to do it. But then other times, like, it's a choice. But why? Why? And so here's what this guy is asking himself. Why am I doing this? Who, who am I really doing it for? Maybe for you, you're, you're doing this for approval of the community, the friends that you're in. Maybe for you, you're, you're doing this because you're trying to prove someone wrong that hurt you in the past. I don't know. I don't know why, why but, but he's asking this question, why? Who am I doing this for? And so check out the, the second half of, of, of verse 8. Who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? See, here's what envy does. Envy robs your joy. Envy robs your joy. See, envy, I believe, especially if you're here and you would identify as a Christian, Jesus says that I came that you would have life to the fullest. And so I believe that while we're on earth, we should be, we should be having joy. Like, there should be joy in our We should be happy with what we're doing. Like, there should be joy resounding in our lives and in our hearts. And yet, envy, it robs that joy from us. Because envy, it puts us in a race against other people who don't even know that we're competing with them. What envy does is it makes you think that my race is your race and your race. And when I do that, when you're further ahead than I am, I look at you and I get jealous. And I become nasty in my heart when people are ahead of me, when I, when I think that I'm in the same race as you, you're ahead of me, and instead of me rejoicing, I'm like, man. And then for the people that you're ahead of, you look back behind you, and it builds a sense of pride, doesn't it? Like, I'm, I'm further along than that person. And then you could begin to allow envy to, to look at people who, who are maybe a little further behind you, and that could become your motivation and your source of happiness. And as long as we think that we're competing, we'll always find ourselves robbing, we'll always find ourselves being robbed of the joy that we have in living a life that God has written for you and for you and for you. You're not in a race. I'm not in a race. I gotta remember that for myself personally. 
I'm not in a race against you. I'm not in a race against my Instagram friends. I'm not in a race against my, my other pastor friends. Like, this is me. And so envy rots the bones. And so I want you to know this morning, if there's envy inside of you, your bones are probably rotting. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We th- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's more. <laughs> we could have just ended there, huh? And you guys would have been like, no. Nah. So envy robs the bone, but there's good news because it doesn't have to take over your life. Envy does not have to control your life. Jealousy does not have to control your life. In fact, in the verse, Proverbs chapter 14, in verse 30, I gave you the back half of it, but watch what the front half says. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bone. So the wisest man to ever walk the, the earth, he says that if you could learn to monitor your heart, and if you could learn to have peace in your heart, then it gives life to your entire body. And so what I want to do within the next five minutes is I want to let you know how a heart of peace looks like. How do we live a heart of peace? And here's the first one. A heart at peace constantly counts its blessings. A heart at peace constantly, constantly counts its blessing. The Apostle Paul, he writes this letter to the church in Thessalonica. And he writes this in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 and verse 18. This is in your notes. He says this, in all things give thanks. In all things give thanks. Now, if we're not careful and we just skim past that, it begins to seem like God is saying, hey, when you're going through hell, thank God for the hell. And when you read it through that lens, you're like, pastor, you are tripping because there is no way I'm doing that. But in fact, Paul, he's not saying give thanks for. He's saying give thanks in. And so it's this idea, no matter what I'm doing, no matter I'm, I, I'm on the mountaintops or no matter if I'm in the valleys, that, and all things give thanks. And I get it. I get it. It's hard, right? Like it's one thing to be able to say it. It's another thing to be able to live it. But he says, in all things give thanks. A heart at peace Constantly counts its blessings. A heart at peace constantly counts its blessings. So you can tell if envy is the boss of your heart, if envy controls your heart, when it's even, you can't even find, when I can't even find anything to be thankful for in the middle of my storms. Like if, if nothing else, you have this amazing opportunity to go like this. And if that's all you have to be grateful for in that moment, 
I'm breathing. It's not how I pictured it, but it's not how I wanted it, but I can't shake it, but at least I can. And as long as I can breathe, I'm hopeful that my tomorrow can be better. Because as long as I have breath in these lungs, there's hope. Come on, I'm counting. My, a heart at peace. A heart at peace counts. It's blessings. Here's number two. A heart at peace seeks celebration, not imitation. A heart at peace seeks celebration, not imitation. What do you mean by this, John? So when you see someone on your Instagram feed, when you see your neighbor pulling up with a new car and a new bolt and an RV all cherry, like <laughs> it's an opportunity for us to not say I want that, and they don't deserve it, but it's an opportunity. When your heart is at peace, it's an opportunity for you to celebrate what they have. See, Paul, Paul writes this in, in, in Romans. He says this, Romans 12, verse 15. He says, rejoice when others rejoice. In other words, he's like, be happy when other people are happy. Celebrate when other people are celebrating. See, a heart at peace celebrates others' accomplishments. A heart at peace celebrates what God is doing in someone else's life. But a heart that is allowing envy to control changes a celebration to an imitation of I want that I deserve that they don't deserve that that should be me I worked hard Some of time, sometimes too if we allow envy to just soak in our hearts you've probably never done this but celebrated when things begin to go wrong in people's lives. And so, when, so this whole, this envy thing, like we can't allow it to rot our bones. And so a heart at peace, it celebrates. A heart at peace. And here's the last one. A heart at peace trusts the creator and not the creation. So Jesus says this amazing thing in Matthew uh, chapter, chapter 6. Because people, they're, they're like, they're worrying, about, they're worrying about everything. I don't know about you. Maybe you worry. Maybe you don't. Probably don't worry a lot. And, but, but Jesus, the people he was hanging around with, like they were worrying about just like God providing for them. And, and here's what Jesus says. 
It's in your notes. I don't think we have it for the screen, but uh, he says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And if there's any PETA people in here, don't get offended by this next part. He says this, and aren't you far more valuable than them? Aren't you far? He's like the birds. God provides for the birds. And aren't you more valuable than the birds? Jesus is saying, hey, trust God, the one who is providing for you. Here's what's hard to understand, and and I'm still trying to process this myself, but it's very easy to believe that I am the source of what I have. It's very easy to believe that, that how hard I work is the source of what I have. It's very easy to think that my boss or my work is the source of what I have. But as I'm learning and as I'm growing in my faith and as I'm trusting God even more and more, I'm realizing that at the end of the day, it's God who provides for me through people, through circumstances, through situations. And so so we have to learn to trust the creator and not the creation. And I know what you're saying because sometimes it feels like God just doesn't answer the way that we want him to answer. Isn't that true? And when that's the case, it sometimes it seems, it kind of seems like if God doesn't respond in the way that we're asking him to respond, we begin to think that he's just not paying attention to us, that he's not caring for us. And so it's very easy for me to look at my car to look at my possessions to look at what I have and and to become frustrated and and to think God why aren't you providing for me when in fact he did I have a, I have a vehicle I know John you're pushing it no, this is what you, this is, we got to trust the creator that he will provide, maybe not in the way that we want it to. Like we may not be able to have that flay every night, but I got baloney. <laughs> I know, I know it's crazy. It's kind of stupid, but it's true. It may not be what I want, but thank God you are providing for me and a heart yeah come on and a heart at peace a heart at peace understands this and so we have a choice do we allow envy the envy monster to control us or say, Jesus, check my heart. If there's any envy inside of me, can you remove it? See, what I want you to know this morning is that I'm preaching to the choir. The one thing that I hate most about myself, and that's strong words I know, but you got to understand where I'm coming from. It's the one thing that I that I dislike, that I hate the most about, about what's in my heart. 
is that sometimes envy controls me. And so I'm sharing this with you. I'm sharing what song, or excuse me, what, what Solomon is, is sharing with you because I want you to understand that there's a better way. There's a better way for you. There's a better way for me. There's a heart at peace that Jesus wants to give you this morning. Amen, somebody? Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.